So we've been in a series. It's been a series on the seven deadly sins. Um, we've been talking about how each one of these sins have a way of grabbing a hold of our lives and destroying it. Um, today, we are on the last sin that we're going to talk about. And it's, anybody can guess? Yeah, sure, it's sloth, right? And if you're wondering why we made this one last, it's because I just couldn't get around to doing it. bad, right? That was bad. Okay. All right. I worked on that joke a lot, but it was, still came out bad. It's still pretty bad. Um, Frank Tigger, who's, a, who's like an illustrator in newspapers, he, wrote, he said this, some people would do anything to be able to do nothing. Some people would do anything to be able to do nothing. Sloth has a way of pervading in all of our lives in ways that destroy. Now, the thing about sloth is that sloth is like the gateway drug to a lot of our other sins. You've heard people say, um, uh, idleness is the devil's playground. You ever heard of that, right? That idle hands is the devil's playground. That's what we're fighting against. We don't want your heart to be stolen away because you were just working on doing nothing. Now, what we're not going to talk about is trying to be frantic in our activities. The Bible speaks clearly. In fact, think about this. When God gave us the Ten Commandments, now think about this. If you had ten, ten principles that you wanted to get across, that you wanted to give the ethical ideas Ten different ethical ideas would you have put in that big ten to take a rest? Probably not. I wouldn't have done it. There's a hundred other things that I would put before that. But rest is so important that God put it in the Ten Commandments. So we're not talking about a lack of rest. We're not talking about a manic way of doing stuff. We're talking about a condition of our heart. So today we're going to talk a lot about work. But the work that we're going to talk about is more holistic. I want us to look at work and our sloth more holistically, not just about going to work. And, and by the way, if you're here, work is a good thing, and hopefully we'll be able to see that. I know that there's, there might be a few of us here who are avoiding the idea of going to work and working and, uh, with our hands or with our minds or I'm telling you, work is a good thing. It was a gift from God. And sloth has a way of ruining our lives. So when we talk about work, I want us to focus not just on the work that we do, that is uh, going outside of the house and producing the work. There's a work, the kind of sloth that we're going to come against is the kind of apathy. That means not caring. The kind of laziness that affects every area of our lives. Because how many here know that it takes work to have a good marriage? But sloth will take that from you. It takes work to, um, to spend time with Jesus in the morning. But sloth will take that from you. 
It takes work in making amends to those that we've harmed. It's a painful thing, and it's work. And it's one of those things that we would rather avoid. But, but sloth will rob you from the opportunity of bringing healing to somebody else. It takes work to work on, uh, it takes work to address friendships and start confronting people in love. It takes work, but sloth will rob you for, from that. So when we say work throughout this message, I don't just want you to think nine to five, punch in, punch out. I just don't want you to think of your career or your business or your, I just don't want you to think about that. When we're talking about work today, we're talking about work in all its facets. Relational work, devotional work, personal growth in your work. Work is all about demonstrating God's glory. In fact, that brings us to our big idea today. The big idea today is that, and by the way, I got this from a pastor. His name is Jeff Henderson. He did this. I thought it was such a brilliant phrase that I stole it from him. And I was thinking about not giving him any credit, but I just said, all right, I'll tell him. I'll tell you that he's, he's the one who told me. Um, but his name is Jeff Henderson. In many ways, he's mentored me in, um, uh, in preaching. And he said this, and this is our big idea for today. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. Let's say that together. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. One more time. The purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. Whether you're an artist, whether you are a, a, a physical laborer, whether you're a thought laborer, whether you work in education, whether you, I don't care what you do. I don't care if the work that you're doing is relational work or spiritual work or punch in, punch out work. The purpose of your life at work is to present or to show that God is at work in your life. So when we're working on bringing a, a we're working on making amends in relationships. The purpose of that work is to show that God is at work in my life. So when we're working on our marriage, the purpose of that work is to show that God is at work in my life. When we're working on growing in Christ in devotion and reading his word and all that, the purpose of that is to show that God is at work in my life. The purpose when we get to our jobs is to show that God is at work in my life. If we can think in that way, what you will find is that your whole life will, uh, your whole life will be revolutionized. It'll turn everything around. You look at your work with less bitterness and less resentment. You'll have more joy even in doing menial tasks. Even when you're doing stuff that you think is beneath you. You'll have joy doing it because you're going, look, this is demonstrating something. It's showing that God is at work in my life through my joy, through my diligence, through my surrender to Christ, through my recognizing that any, any work that I do that I feel is even beneath me can never compare to the work that God did to save my soul. And we'll get there.
But we, that's, that's what we're trying to find out today. That the purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. We see that sloth ruins a life. Proverbs 19.15 says this, Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Slothfulness casts, this is Proverbs 19.15, Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Let me talk to you about this. And again, we're not just talking about physical labor. We're not just talking about the kind of work that you do um, at work. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, meaning that there's a way that sloth, being a sloth or slothful, you're like the last person to know. You're like the last person to learn this. And slothfulness has a way of coming up to you at night as in a deep sleep. It's like, you know, have you ever done that where you said, you know, where, man, you thought you were going to stay up at night and then all of a sudden you wake up and it's like, oh my gosh, I went to sleep. That's how slothfulness does and it ruins a, a, a night. I mean, it ruins a life. It destroys a life. See, slothfulness can put you not only into a deep sleep, but it can relationally ruin you. I, I found this out in a very powerful and personal way. I was starting this church uh, with uh, my wife Liz and Valerie and Raymond, and we were just starting. And I thought that every minute of my life needed to be dedicated. I mean, it was so crazy. We didn't have any systems that we have today for counseling or anything like that, and it just, there wasn't any help back then. It was just kind of doing everything on your own. And my son was like real, real young. He was like five, six, seven years old. And so I gave myself, and it was, it was nuts. I mean, we literally had people for counseling, one after the other. They were leaders to develop. They were people to disciple. They were counseling. They were, they were nightmares to uh, address, real difficult situations to untangle. I would work 15, 16 hours a day, and I did that for years. And I didn't take a break. And what I did was, and, and so we're talking about sloth, right? So you go, oh, no, you don't struggle with sloth. Let me tell you how I do. I struggle with relational sloth. And so I remember looking at my son as I watched him grow, and I said, you know what? We're going to do that thing in this time in the future. It's going to be awesome. We're going to connect. We're going to bond. It's going to be wonderful. And then I blinked my eyes, and my son was 18. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to have an incredible, he was going off to college. We were driving him off to college, um, and, and we were driving him. I, had, I remember I had my car, and I was doing work on my phone. You're not supposed to do that when you're driving, right? And so I was working on my phone. My wife told me you should probably put that thing down. And I was working on the phone while driving. And the side of the car hit the, uh, the sidewalk. We were about a mile away. Now, I had in my mind that we were going to go to Edwin's dorm, buy him stuff in Target, 
then go to eat. And then after that, we were just going to talk about good old times, and we're going to reflect. And I was going to be able to impart on him wisdom. It was going to be like five hours of like joy and bonding. It was going to be a really powerful moment. But I was at work, and I was ignoring the friendship and the family and the relationship. We got a flat tire because our, our, our car hit the sidewalk, the, you know, the little curb on the sidewalk, and the, 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 the lug nuts wouldn't come off, like they would not come off. We were about three-quarters of a mile away from, about a mile, three-quarters of a mile, so my wife, my kids, they all take Edwin's stuff and they take it to his dorm. They walk it there while I try to figure out how to fix this car. 15 minutes, half hour, one hour, three hours later. God sent an angel. Um, he took me to this. We wound up having to drive that tire. It wouldn't come off. We wound up having to drive it to a garage garage finally took it off. I made it. I mean, I'm racing. It's a Monte Carlo, and I got my foot to the floor, and I'm racing to get to this. I park, and I probably take up two parking spots. It's just a real fast park. Jump out of the car. I start running to his dorm room, and I hear the bell go off, and it was as if that bell said, time's up. All your slothfulness, all of your procrastination, all of your apathy. And I kept on running into his room. And I finally made it to his room, and I knocked on his door. I opened the door, and I saw my son and all the kids going to, like, I guess, the cafeteria to get, like, you know, integrated into college life. And I put my hand inside the door, and I said, hey, Edwin, love Jesus. Make wise choices. And then I turned around and walked away and just started to sob. Because I realized that my slothfulness had cost me so much. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep. It puts you to sleep. It makes you forget the things that are important. It makes you forget that working hard on relationships, working hard at work, working hard on your relationship with Christ, working hard in your devotional life, working, that these don't matter. Don't worry. Just another baseball game. Just another basketball game. Just another football game. Another, just listen, just relax. You owe it to yourself. And a lifetime can pass you by. A lifetime filled with regret. Sloth ruins a life. It's the reason why I want us to focus on this. And some of you right now are thinking to yourself, I, I lost my shot. I ruined my opportunity. I, my kids are all grown up. I did exactly what you did, Edwin. I ignored the relationship. Maybe you were using, and you got into a stupor of sleep, and you ruined. You forgot to work on the marriage. You forgot to work on your health. You forgot to, maybe that was your story. We still have hope in Christ. And I'll show you that in a second. But I'm telling you, sloth 
will give us such great regret. Sloth will give us such great pain that we don't want to stay there. So the work that we've been given, the relational work, the spiritual work, the work that we have in our industry or our careers, that work is given to us by God. Did you know, did you know that work was in uh, the Garden of Eden? Did you know that? That work was not a product of the fall. You know how like the, the, everything bad came after the fall. Sin introduced everything bad. But do you know that work was a part of the Garden of Eden? It wasn't a part of the fall. God gave it as a good thing. The gift of God to mankind was that he would give us work, a purposeful work, a work that would honor him, whether relational, spiritual, or physical. You don't believe me? You can find it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We were created to work. Genesis 2, 15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. We were given work as a, as a purpose to glorify God. We were given work to have purpose and meaning that God was the creator and he was partnering with us in creation to do something beautiful, not just to make a paycheck, not just to fatten your account, not just so you could afford the car that you wanted that would give you the status that you think you need. We were given work because it was a part of our purpose. We were given work because it was a part of our reflection of God. It was part of this beautiful, this beautiful image of God. We were made in the image of God. And God worked and rested, and we were to work and rest in Him. We were created for this work. The work that you have with your spouse is not one to ignore. It was given so that you could glorify God. The work that you have now in rebuilding your life, the work that you have in coming back from a relapse and moving into a more productive person in society, that was given to you by God. This is a good work. And you go, but I've waited too long. Listen, beloved, it's still a gift, even if you feel it came late. I remember I uh, had a friend. He died. But I remember he said, because uh, he, got, he got sober and clean um, much later on in life, like in his 60s, like late 50s, 60s. And he said, you know, if people would ask him, was he upset that he got clean so late in life? And he goes, no. Have you ever received a check in the mail that came late that you didn't want to cash? <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. So it's not too late. Not too late to work with your family or work on your family. It's not too late. Not too late to work with your marriage or with your friendships. It's not too late to work on your health. It's not too late to work on your spiritual devotion to Christ. It's not too late. It's not. It's not too late. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. So our work was given to us by Christ, but the problem is, is that our work is broken. 
everything is so hard. Everything is so difficult. We see here in Genesis, in chapter, Genesis chapter 3, verses 17b, the second half of Genesis, um, the second half of uh, verse 7 uh, into verse 8, we see it. We see when Adam fell, when Adam partook of the tree, when Adam decided that he doesn't need God for joy anymore, that he was going to find his satisfaction. Adam believed the first lie. That God doesn't really love you. If God really loved you, he'd give you the thing that you really wanted. But God knew better. And Adam fell into the sin. And so, here's what's said in verse 17b. He said, cursed is the ground. Remember what God gave him? He gave him this beautiful garden to work. And now look, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorn and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You see, the work, because we're in a broken world, because this entire society decided to run from God rather than run to God, work, our work, is broken. And because it's broken, it's difficult. Anybody here? ever have to work on a friendship? Like, right? It's hard, right? Anybody ever found that easy? It's hard. Ever, anybody here, who here has a work environment that they wish they could improve? Yeah, right? There's a few of you, sure. It gets tough sometimes at work, right? With uh, uh, relationships and with personality conflicts. How? Why is it so hard, if you're leading at work, why is it so hard to lead the people that you're leading? Why is it, husbands, why is it so hard to have a conversation with your wife about the stuff that she's been wanting to address for the last three years? Why? Because it's work, and it's hard, and there are thorns and thistles, and it's laborious, laborious. It's Difficult. Beloved, it's a broken world that we live in, but there's, it's not without hope. Remember, the purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life, which brings us to where I wanted to go. Christ's work is our hope. Christ's work is our hope. Yes, we were created to work with purpose and beauty, but Adam's sin marred that. Not only Adam's sin, but our sin has marred that. And now we have good work. Christ's work is our hope. Interestingly enough, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So now, listen to me. What does that mean? That means that work has a deeper and more profound meaning behind it. That when you and I get to work, even when our work feels useless, even when our work feels unnecessary, even when the work that God is asking us to do 
even when that work that God is asking us to do feels like it's just too difficult. That work, beloved, that work can have meaning because Christ's work on the cross. You want to talk about meaningless work. Here's the creator of the universe. He creates us and puts us in paradise. Then we openly rebel against his good work and then blame him for the sin of our hands. And then God takes it upon himself. Look at God takes it upon himself to come from heaven to earth and do this incredible work of salvation. And what does he do? He lives the life that you should have lived, a life of obedience, a life of surrender, a life of sacrificial giving, a life of complete and utter devotion. He lives that life. Not the life that you and I have lived. No, no, no. He lives that life. He doesn't turn towards it. He doesn't believe the lie that, oh, the reason that God didn't give you that is because God doesn't love you, so you might as well get that for yourself. He doesn't believe those lies. He walks in brokenness and allows himself to be broken by others. Not only does he live the life that you should have lived, he dies the death that you deserve. Whenever you and I have sinned, it's cosmic treason. You know what, you know what happens if, you're, if you do treasonous behavior here in America? Yeah, you're, if you do treasonous acts here in America, you're liable for the death penalty. Because there's hardly any crime greater than treason. We have committed cosmic treason, rebelling against the creator of the universe. And he says there's only, one, there's only one penalty that you can get for this kind of high-handed, over and over, willful, cosmic treason. It's the death penalty. And then God says, next thing, he goes, and I'll pay the death penalty for you. So he gives his life in this work. And if you go, Jesus, you know these people are not going to love you. You know they're not going to worship you. You know they're not going to turn to you. You know they're going to turn to their idols. He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, if, he does, if Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, if that's true, and it is, then all of our work has taken meaning. Then we could serve. We could, when I work, when I'm at my work, and I'm doing my work, and I feel like, oh, this is useless. Nobody cares. This is ridiculous. I can be reminded, oh, wait, God is doing a work in my heart because the purpose of my life at work is to show that God is at work in my life. And God is working in me patience. And God is working in me long-suffering. And God is working in me love for people who have no love for me. And God is working on me in many different ways that I can't imagine. So that when I work in my marriage, when I work to have God, uh, when I work, rather, to, um, to address some issues in my marriage, and I feel the pain of that, I feel the thistles, I feel the thorns, 
of it. I can go, Jesus, is this how you felt when you were working towards reconciliation with me? Like, is this the pain that you felt? And I can hear him say, no, Edwin, it was far greater than that. And then I can go, but how did you respond to me? Did you, did you decide to watch a basketball, basketball game? Did you decide to just put your head in the sand and wait for 18 years to pass? No, 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 Edwin. I ran towards you. Oh, man. Then maybe in my marriage I can run towards my wife when there's tension. Maybe, in, maybe the wives here can run towards their husbands even though it's painful. Maybe at work, when you're at work and it feels like you're living paycheck to paycheck, you can say, oh, no, wait, this, and this is important. You can say, even though this feels like there's, it's just so meaningless, I can go, wait, was there a point in your work that it felt meaningless? Oh, you mean, Edwin, I can tell that to Jesus, and Jesus can speak to my heart. You mean the part where the very people that I was coming to die for were crucifying me? You mean that part? Oh. And what did you do, Jesus? What did you do when you were stepping into work that just felt like nobody cared about? I was obedient unto the Father for the glory of his name. And therefore, in my work, doing even meaningless, menial tasks, I can do it for the glory of God. I, I shared with you um, some weeks ago about Brother Lawrence, who has a great book. You should get it. Um, it's a 400-year-old book. Brother Lawrence, 400-year-old book. He was a monk. And it's a real tiny book. In fact, he didn't even write it. Somebody else wrote it uh, um, from his letters after uh, he had died. And... There was, he would talk about how he would do this menial work and how he would glorify God. He was a dishwasher in a monastery. A dishwasher in a monastery. You got to get it. Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. That's the title of the book. Practicing the Presence of God. And so he's washing these dishes. It's like 300 dishes. And there's no... You know, there's no LG dishwasher. There's no, like, right, there's, this is him. This, this is him taking these dishes and scrubbing them with cold water and doing the best he can. No Ajax, no Brillo. This is him scrubbing them, doing the best he can. He's taking the dish and dish after dish, hundreds and hundreds of dishes. He's, he's talking to the, he's praying his work. And he's saying, literally, he's saying, God, just like this dish can't wash itself, I can't wash myself. There's no hope for me. The only thing that'll wash me is your blood scrubbing me white as snow for the purpose. The reason that I wash this dish is so that it could be used again, and you have washed me so that I might be used for your glory. You see, as we do even our dishwashing work, we can find great purpose if we do it unto the Lord, being reminded that God is glorious. Beloved, there is meaning in your work. There is pain and regret and sloth. And all of our work leads for everyone else to be able to recognize the work of God in our lives. Why? Because the purpose of my life at work is to show 
that God is at work in my life. Now, how are you going to go to work tomorrow? You got work tomorrow, right? You got people to lead. You got dishes to wash. You got trucks to drive. You got boxes to lift. You got decisions to make. You got a, you got a whole slew of things to do. What's your life at work going to look like tomorrow? Could, could it be that God wants to infuse worship in your work? But wait, there's more than just punch in, punch out work. What is the work that you're going to have to start doing in your marriage? Hey, you might have to have a counselor to call because you go, this work is beyond my pay grade. I'm going to need some help. You might not need to get a counselor for that. Maybe, maybe your work, maybe your work is the, the thing that's keeping you from devotional work are the screens in your life. You know what I mean when I say screens? There's your phone. That's a screen. There's your TV screen. There's your computer screen. There's your tablet screen. There's your watch screen. We got screens everywhere. And we go, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time to spend reading the Bible and praying to Jesus. But there's just not enough time. And maybe your work would be to maybe put away some of the screens or take a hammer and smash them. <laughs> Perhaps that would be a good idea. Maybe. Is that some of the work that you're going to have to do? I don't know. But you could do it in devotion unto Christ, knowing that Jesus said no to those little things that mean nothing so that he could be about his father's business. And so what does it look like for you? Let me tell you something. If you took this message seriously, if you took this message seriously, that the work that you have to do demonstrates God's work in your life, if you took that message seriously, your whole life would change. Your friendships would change. You would stop gossiping. You know why? Because you would have no reason to talk about the people who are um, acting and behaving this way. You know why? Because you would confront them yourself in love. You would, you, your gossiping would go down a lot. If you would take this seriously, if you would take this message seriously, you know what else would happen? Your relationships, your marriages, and your friendships, and your children, and your parenting, and all that other stuff, it would get a lot worse before it got better. There would be a lot of difficulty and stress, wouldn't there? Because you went from being the person who puts your head in the sand, who watches just another show, who watches just another game, who ignores the important things that they need to address, and you become the person who says, listen, listen, I just want to, I know I'm responsible for a lot of the mess that we're in, and maybe you can help me understand more how I'm responsible for the mess, but could you, could we talk about Maybe getting some help within our friendship, marriage, parenting. Like, could we get some help? Maybe some counseling. Maybe that's the next step for you. I'm telling you, you would become, your, your relationships would become much more difficult before they got much, much better. And they would get better. You know that argument? Here's, watch this. If you took this work seriously and you 
fought against sloth, recognizing that sloth is the enemy and that Christ gave you new meaning and infused new meaning in your work, if you took that seriously, you know what would happen? This would be crazy. You would... You would be more fulfilled and more at peace. You would have less anxiety. Because you know why. Because the thing that you're going to do with the relationship, with the work, and it's always, you know when the right time to do it? Some other time other than now. Because that's what sloth does. It puts it off till some other time. You know, hey, you know what you would do? you would quit smoking cigarettes faster. And you know, this is not even me. I'm not telling you that the Bible says that cigarettes are sin. I'm not making any case. I'm talking about you wanting better for yourself. You wanting more health for yourself. And you've been telling yourself, I'm going to quit. And you know when you're going to quit? Tomorrow. <laughs> or now we're this far in the year. You know when you're really going to quit? January 1st. Of course. I got you. You know what would happen? You would bring in the new year. You would bring in the new year without the cough because you'd have gotten the cough out of the way <laughs> in this next month and a half. You see what I'm saying? If we take, this, if we take God's word seriously and we come against this, this enemy of sloth, if we do that, we would be freer, less anxious, more filled with joy. Could you imagine? What would your life and relationships be like then? Oh, beloved, it would be incredible. You would, be, you would experience joy like never before. I encourage you, have the conversation. Worship while at work. Experience God's work in your life while you're doing things that might be distasteful, but that are good for you. I want that for you. Let me ask you another question. What would our church be like if we decided that we weren't going to share the gospel with somebody some other time? What would our church be like if we just said, this is too good news. It affects everything in your life. It affects your marriage, and it blesses your marriage. It affects your children, and it blesses your relationship with your children. It affects your relationship with your parents. It affects how you do work. It affects your health. It affects every area of life. What would it be like if we decided that we weren't going to let sloth win on our sharing the gospel with others? It would be amazing. Like There wouldn't be enough seats in this place. There wouldn't be enough room, and we would all be better because of it. We would be all be overjoyed because of it. What would it look like if we decided to surrender to the Lord and let our work represent his work in us? Man, life would be different. My prayer for you is that you would ask Jesus to rid you of sloth and infuse you with the gospel, meditating on his beauty, and asking him, what work are you doing inside my heart as I do this work? Oh, man, it'll change everything.